Everton have lost uh, 11 points from winning positions this season. They need a second. Here's Donovan! There is the second! Landon Donovan's first Premier League goal! Hello everyone and welcome to another official Everton podcast. In this episode, Dave Prentice, Gavin Buckland and myself, Danny Griffiths, will be looking ahead to the pre-season trip to the USA and generally celebrating the relationship between the States and the Blues. And the first name that springs instantly to mind when you think about any relationship between Everton and America, for me anyway, Preno, is, uh, is Tim Howard. Oh, 100%. He's the Minister for Defence, isn't he? I mean, uh... <laughs> He's easily the highest profile uh, American footballer we've had. We've had you know, sort of a handful of fairly high profile ones. But given you know, what he achieved at the World Cup with the USA, um, you know, sort of how far he went to that tournament, um, given you know, his profile at Manchester United before he came to Everton. And in what he did at Everton, you know, we, did, we had a spell where we, you know, we, we couldn't quite get it right in sort of goalkeeping wise. You know, Nigel Martin was like an outstanding goalkeeper. Mm. But obviously, you know, sort of career brought to a premature close. And we were looking for somebody by injury. And we were looking for, you know, sort of somebody to come in with a little bit of authority, a little bit of presence, uh, a bit of experience. And Tim Howard did all that and scored a goal as well. And scored a goal. He's usually the highest profile American footballer we've had. And yeah, you might fondly remember by other things, even though it all ended on a little bit of a sour note, as often happens with even the greats. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Absolutely. you know, so what he achieved prior to that was, uh, was definitely and so I have an Everton player who was on first name terms with the President of the United States, <laughs> Barack Obama at the time, Gav. What was it? 14, 15 saves in the in one yeah. World Cup game? Yeah. Incredible. I, I funny enough, I was thinking we saw not this at the weekend, we saw not great saves by Everton keepers and he produced one of the best I've ever seen at Goodison. Yeah. And I think that was off Clint Dempsey, wasn't it? Yeah. By him for I don't think first. For uh, four, just so one flood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was incredible. Yeah, and that's the status of of them in, in America, and that also reflects well on Everton status. Uh, ten years is a long time. I think he was he was there yeah. for yeah. Everton. It's a long time to keep, and he had that that incredible run. Was it two hundred and Premier League games mm-hmm. without missing missing one? And and that stability. I always think Howard was at his best when that period when we had less Scotland Jacks centre halves and that like that that triangle. Was probably the best we've had since Ratcliffe, yeah. uh, Nevin, and Waggy. And, and and if you see his goals conceded record at the end at the end of the two thousands, oh seven, oh eight, oh eight, nine, you know, oh six, oh seven, you know, less than a goal a game probably. Uh, I thought he was a you know very good keeper for us and represented us well at international level. As you say, first first name with the president. <laughs> that, that, that was an era when I was uh, obviously working for the Echo then rather than the football club. And uh, he was always absolutely top class to deal with. Whenever we got the opportunity to talk to him, uh, he was always really engaging, very entertaining. I remember having to go, I forget where it was, I think it might have been at Finch Farm, to interview him in the company of the Harlem Blue Trotters. That <laughs> 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 was completely bizarre. Uh, but he was like absolutely top class. I remember saying to him afterwards, so thanks, and I really enjoyed that. You know, so you were really good. And he just said, you know, he's like, oh, we're always trying to be as you know, sort of interesting as we can be. Yeah, he was, he was always an interesting. Don't you find that though with all the Americans? Because yeah. I think it's because they're schooled from an early from an early age. Some yeah, of their sports, not just footballers, even some of their sports are played in university complexes. Yeah. In front of 70, 80, 90,000 people. I was in Austin a couple of years ago with Tim Howard, uh, ironically, and we were building a new stadium. And I said, wow, who's that for? College 
No, yeah. the college team. It was a ninety thousand seater stadium, yeah. and and because because those games are on the television, didn't the spotlight a lot earlier, and they're not as overly protected as some of yeah. our young sports people are. So they're always they're always very very engaging, aren't they? You just wonder about the American media is different as well, and whether that means that they're prepared to be a little bit yeah. more open to the front and get tell you more about themselves. Yeah. Whereas in this country, we have a reputation for building players up to knock them down again, you know, so that you've got heroes and you've got anti heroes. Whereas America's a little bit different. So, yeah, maybe they are a little bit more engaging in open resolution. Yeah, I think that PR is a central part of American sports, isn't it? All yeah. sports. And uh, I, I think it, when, when you were just talking before you said that, I was thinking about all American yeah. sports people are very, very engaged in our yeah. And that's part yeah. of the personality as well, a lot of outgoing people. But um, yeah, they're always good value. I mean, as you say, I mean, small stage, the Olympic Games in 84, the 40, 40 Games in the Olympic Games get 100,000 people. It's just, <laughs> just mad. As you say, yeah. it's not just professional level in America, it's, it's, it's at all levels, they're massively followed. And um, yeah, he it, it was, it was good good, uh, good off the pitch, wasn't he, Tim, to be fair. And still, still is to this day. Absolutely. It's different class, and we'll see him when we're in the United States. Landon Donovan, Gav, uh, was he one of those signings that did a lot better than you thought he would? Or were you looking at him thinking, he'll be okay? I thought he'd be okay. He, again, not only good professionals off the pitch, but on the pitch as well. And Landon Donovan typified that, didn't he, really? He came over at the time, the 9 10 season, being a bit difficult to move. I had, like, no team. Mm. Um, and he'd come over and um, he played, what, three or four months. You can tell he was a popular player, you know, at Belfield, and he produced two or three tremendous performances. Notably, when we played Chelsea here in, in the February, uh, one, two, one, but it was like, and Chelsea won the lead that year, and it was probably one of our best performances under Moyes. And Donovan gave Ashley Cole the run around all, all night, uh, scored a couple of goals, you know, thought that maybe could happen, but it's contract is very difficult, isn't it? Um, it's a great pro. He was um, terrific off the pitch. Yeah, well. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah first yeah. time I met him, we just played Carlisle United in an FA Cup tie, and at the time I was hosting the, uh, the marquee. If you remember in the park okay, end, yeah. I used to bring guests in after the game. And um, Bill Ellaby, the player, liaison manager, came in with Landon Donovan. He said, Listen, he's just landed. You don't want him to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Can you get him on stage? I said, Absolutely. So Landon spoke absolutely terrifically. And after that, I said, Listen, Landon, that, that was above and beyond. Thanks very much. And he said, Look, I'm here for about nine or 10 weeks. He said, Whatever you need me to do, give me a shout and I'll do it. And, well, and that was that was news. Yeah. The, the manager actually embraced that philosophy. So if you remember, uh, he was Californian, wasn't he? And he came over from the depths of English winter and was told literally, you know, sort of the day after he arrived, right, I'm going to play you at Arsenal in a blizzard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he absolutely excelled. You know, so he must. I don't know if he's ever seen snow in his life before, but uh, he went out there and you know, saw nothing faced at all. I think that's why Evertonians embraced him so, you know, so widely. Because of his attitude, because he just had a real good go at everything. As to be fair, a lot of David Moore's players did. He did his due diligence on players, you know, so, so much, and he realised what kind of characters they were. And he had a character that was going to absolutely give everything. So as a result, you know, everything embraced him. I mean, that was an era, you know, so when we had a few players that gave everything, maybe didn't have the quality that London Donovan had, I think it was like Dennis Strapolis. Yeah, yeah. And that was something to look because of yeah. the attitude. Yeah. But equally, didn't quite have that quality. Donovan attitude and quality. When you put the two together, you know, so it does make something a hell of a player. Yeah, sure, we couldn't have made it longer term than we did. But again, underlined by a man of honour he was, because he said that I'm not going to you know, sort of turn my back on the contract that I agreed to. 
in America. So, of course, it really added for a couple of fleeting occasions. Yeah, but they're memorable. I remember, like, when you thought he was a good player at Arsenal, they say the Blizzard, it was his corner, also he scored a great set of goals, wasn't it? And, and Donovan fizzed this corner in really, you know, uh, quite hard, but it was um, perfect, and Ozzy added it in. And he thought probably was, I think he scored, what was his last game? Last game, yeah. I think, maybe. Scored, didn't he, at the three yeah. times, and everybody, all the yeah. players. Jack Adwell picked him up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, you could tell, like, he was obviously popular with, with, with the dressing room, and a, and a great player. He came back again, didn't he, a couple of years later, for a few games. But, yeah, and he, he's fondly remembered by me, Lanton Donovan, because he helped us get out of a difficult patch uh, that season. Well, a year or so ago, I caught up with uh, three of the USA legends who have worn the Royal Blue jersey. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with Brian McBride, Landon Donovan, and, of course, Tim Howard. And I started the conversation about their respective moves to Everton. They all started off on loan, of course. And for Brian McBride, it was a case of a reunion with David Moyes, who had him at Preston North End. I was fortunate enough to, to really enjoy that experience. And um, oddly enough, I actually, while I was at Preston, um, I saw one Premier League game because Joe Max was, was at Everton and, and came and watched uh, a game there so I had a, a bit of knowledge of, of what the stadium's like Landon when you first came to Everton you didn't have that much of a settling in period did you? it tends to happen that when you come on loan you've got to hit the ground running yeah it was it was a little bit uh, odd I'd never done something like that where I'd gone in and uh, trained for a few days um, while a team was in the middle of their season so it was an interesting dynamic for me but fortunately I had a great reception there from having Tim there helped immensely um the staff were great the fans were great and then the the rest of the players were great so I was able to to settle in pretty quickly have you spoken at length to Tim before you decided to come to Everton yeah we had a lot of a lot of conversations um including the initial one where he let me know that Everton were interested and I had time to speak with David Moyes and learn a little bit about the club. But let's be honest, I mean, having the opportunity to go play in the Premier League for that club was an easy answer. Uh, the question was, you know, how how are we going to make it work, right, from a Galaxy and an Everton perspective? And fortunately, we were able to do that. Tim, people tend to forget at times that you came to Everton initially on loan. What was the thought process behind that? Was it a chance for you to see what we were like or were you determined to win your place back at Manchester United at the end of it? No, I, I, I had my heart set on, um, you know, when it comes to my football career, loyalty was everything. And so once I once I came on loan, I was, the the detail was in was in the contract. I, I was, I planned on being at Everton for a long time. I had no, I had no desire to go back to, Manchester United and so um, even though it was on loan initially you know I, I wanted to go there and, and continue to to get better and improve my football and that was the place I wanted to be. Brian your debut for Everton was against Tottenham Hotspur now we'd we were in a bad run of form at the time we'd lost against Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup the week before what were your instructions from David Moyes can you remember because we needed a lift at the time big time uh, yeah, I think the, the injuries definitely took its toll. Uh, I was at that Shrewsbury game and, um, the real overall arching, uh, conversation was just basically play the soccer you, you, you play. Um, don't try and change things up. Uh, like Landon said, it's, you're jumping into a, a group that's been playing for half a season already. So, um, 
that part was 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 pretty straightforward um, and no special uh, special uh, tactical changes. You were already an experienced player, but it must have been a, a huge relief and a, a massive delight to score so early in your first game. Right there, are you saying I was old? Is that where you're experienced? <laughs> Bit of know-how behind you. <laughs> All right, I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah, it was uh, ironically it was against uh, probably my best friend in, in soccer, Casey Keller, uh, in goal for Tottenham. So. Um, there was two, two special, uh, meetings to that day. I can hold that over his head for, for a lifetime. Um, but also just the, 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 the enjoyment of, um, representing Everton and playing my first Premier League game was, was, was there. Uh, unfortunately we didn't win the game, so it wasn't as enjoyable. Um, but yeah, great time. Leon Osman made his debut for Everton that day, came on for the last 60 seconds or so. Now, obviously, yeah. you'd read nothing into that game, but you would have trained with Ozzy. Did you think he'd go on and play more than 400 games for the Blues? Was he one of those players that you knew would do it? Yeah, you could see how talented he was. Not, not just the talent, but the drive and the, the inner thought process of, of taking everything in during practice, after practices, watching you know professionals and how they work and, um, you add in the fact that, that he's, a, he's a really good person. Um, you could see him going far and, and playing for a long period. Just want to speak about your debut for Everton London against Arsenal. Again, you're a, you're, you're a big name player when you came to Everton. The supporters knew all about you, but I'm sure there was one or two that were thinking, because when we played Arsenal away, the weather, you remember, was atrocious. Yeah. Uh, it was wind, it was snow, it was hail, it was everything. And I'm sure one or two people thought, Let's see how the boy from Los Angeles does here. And, and it went well, didn't it? It did go well. The, I actually prefer cold weather uh, always. I always have in my career for whatever reason. I'm not sure. So I enjoy that was part of the reason why I enjoyed playing in, in England so much is I, I felt like I could just run more and, and felt had I, like I had more energy. So that game was a really special memory, obviously, for me. Um, it was a game we should have won, to be honest. I think we gave up a late goal and drew 2-2, but that was a, a special moment for any player to get to play at the Emirates. But for us, um, it was a good learning experience for me because came into the dressing room after, and if you had said before the match, 2-2, would you take it? I think I'd say, yeah, away against Arsenal. Yeah, why not? Uh, but came into the locker room, and I, I vividly remember Tim, Phil, uh, Tim Cahill, absolutely livid that we had given up a late goal and, and drawn the game. And it told me a lot about what that club was about, that, that they expected more than just to draw 2-2 away at Arsenal. Like I said earlier, Landon, you didn't have time to bed in really. You had to hit the ground running. Did, did Moise just say to you that day, just give me what you've got and let me know when you're tired? He did. It was it was basically that. And in the morning, he had told me he was considering starting me in the match, which I thought honestly was a little crazy. I'd only been there a week, um, but I think he was he was really smart in that he he didn't want me to think about it. So when we got to the stadium, he always named the team at the stadium. Um, my name was in the team, and I, I it was just time to get ready and play. I didn't have time to sit around all day and think about it. So he really uh, he was really clever in that way and knew how to to get a lot out of players and that worked great for me and he did he just said go as long as you can I remember in the 70th minute I started cramping and so I had to get off the field but it was a really special memory for me 
Tim, when you first came to Everton, I remember speaking to, to Phil Neville. He came to Everton from Manchester United and he said he really felt he had to prove himself to his teammates, let alone the supporters. Did, did you feel the same way? I did. And just a, a quick blurb on um, on Landon's debut. I, I remember that vividly and, and selfishly. He, he hadn't been there very long and obviously, you know, every player would like a few more days to bed in with the team and, um, you know, to play at the Emirates away from home when you know our backs are against the wall, not an easy task. But I selfishly, because, you know, Landon and I had such a great rapport and friendship and I played with them um, in the toughest of games in the deepest of trenches, I was selfishly hoping he would play. You know, it's a game where we'd be able to hit them on the counter. The game would be wide open. Emirates is a brilliant pitch, massive stadium. Um, and so when when he got the nod to play, it was, uh, you know, I, I was excited. And obviously he repaid us with with, uh, with an incredible performance. Um you know, as far as going to Everton, for me, um, I absolutely – I had played in the Premier League for three years, so I knew about um, the people of Merseyside, the Evertonians. I, I knew what the pride was like there. So, uh, again, as I said, once I had committed to going on loan, which was prior to um, May of 2006, I believe it was, right after our season, before the three of us went on to Germany and played in the World Cup. and so my whole focus from, from the time that my season ended at Man United, you know, through to the world cup and then preseason was just trying to figure out how I was going to have success uh, with Everton and for Everton. And yeah, absolutely. The fans play a massive part in that. And they, they did from day one all the way into the end. That was part of, um, you know, a massive part of my motivation um, in, in my career was trying to impress them and didn't always happen, but I think overall, yeah, um, we had, a, we had an amazing relationship. There's a serious point, of course, to all this USA tour. Two games, one against Arsenal, one against Minnesota. Arsenal, we know the quality. Minnesota's season up and running. How much you read into you, You've been to more pre-season friendlies than most. What do you read into them? I've been to more pre-season friendlies than most, but not in the States. <laughs> yeah, I've done Sweden, Germany, Switzerland, all, all the Europeans, or Scotland, uh, Austria. With Walter, a, a tour of the southwest of England, uh, where yeah. we ended up playing yeah. Yeovil and Plymouth and what have you, but never got to the States, which, yeah, what, what, what I missed to be fair. Um, you keep getting told you shouldn't read too much into pre season because, you know, and I've analysed that we have had pre seasons whereby we've not won a game and started the season like a house on fire, and you know, seasons where we've absolutely flown and then stuttered at the start of the season. It's a fitness exercise at the end of the day, but. I personally think that if you can get a bit of confidence and you can get a bit of camaraderie going, especially if there's new players in the squad, you know, it's a yeah. wonderful time for getting them on board and you know, sort of embracing them. I, I think they can be very, very important. Uh, so, you know, and that's proved by the USA tours on David Moyes, you know, so we had good seasons following those at each other, which is why you just so quick to go back because they made a difference. The players bonded really well while they were over there. They got the... Uh, positivity and the confidence of getting good results against good quality teams and they had great facilities while they were over there for you know, sort of training and you know, sort of, you know, working under. So yeah, they're important. You can't you know, underestimate that at all. Uh, so don't discount them, even though we like to if we don't get the results. Yeah. <laughs> the Minnesota game will be interesting, Gav. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, declared interesting. She's my all-time favourite Everton player, as you know, mm. and uh, made up to see him managing, uh, managing against Everton. I think would that be the first time he managed against Devon? I think possibly. Um, certainly didn't when he, was, he certainly didn't at Orlando. Don't, yeah, don't yeah. we call him at Burnley? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, um, and he obviously loves the club, and he doesn't. He? You know, he's one of our favourite sons. 
I mean, he's been, I was having a look at him last night, it was the fourth longest serving boss in the MLS now, which is considered the turnover of coaches there. Well. contract is, is good going. Uh, they, they've been like a breakout team, haven't they? I think, as, as they call it, in the state side. And yeah, that's hugely significant to be playing by any team managed by NC, A plus in America and B at NC. They'll be absolutely. Mm. You know, flying only managing a team. I remember him telling me when he first went to Orlando, uh, he got beat quite heavily at home, Orlando, and he kept the players in the dressing room. And um, somebody, one of his staff, came in the dressing room and said, Look, there's still about 1,500 fans out there. So then she said, Right, great. And he said to the players, You're going to go out, you're going to face them fans, and you're going to get it. And I tell you what, I hope they give it to you worse than I just give it to you. <laughs> and he took them out and they all clapped. <laughs> and they all said the attitude was, well, you played well, guys. Better luck next time. And then she just put his head in his hands and what, what am I up against here? That, that sounds like a very Howard Kendall thing to do that, doesn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 you're right, and she was absolutely one of everything. So very good sons. I mean, that 84, 85 season, you know, which is obviously the greatest season I've ever witnessed, and I would like you to witness, he was the absolute unsung star in that season mm. because... From the start of that season through to the injury against Sheffield Wednesday in December, he was absolutely unstoppable. He, he was like, and I hate to use this this name in and out of the podcast, but he was like David Leash, but with pace. Yeah. And, uh, and he was he was just absolutely unstoppable. And it was almost like, was it going to be Graham Sharp? Was it going to be Andy Murray? That actually yeah. part of it. He was yeah. the first choice. Oh, yeah. yeah and then it got to the point where Sharp had the chance very well, once the put the chance very fast, and Andy Murray talked about it. And then, you know, the way it went, I was obviously got that remembrance of the duty. So Ray and Sharp then Ray and Sharp then formed that incredible partnership. But starting that season, he was the absolute first choice and absolute most incredible performance. I, I said before that that period from August to December, that's the best spell form I've seen from any Everton player ever. Yeah. He was absolutely brilliant. Would we have beaten yeah. Bayern Munich if we didn't have Sharp and Gray up front? That's a very good question. Um, well, I think I think I think he was good enough. Yeah. I think I think Howard played. It's just it's another podcast in itself, isn't it? Really, how it plays the sense of the team. I think Inchi would have given them different problems uh, playing, uh, but yeah, we'd be fine when the, when the game is. You know, it'd be brilliant. It'll be great to see Inchi, and, and we're all young enough, Preno, to to remember the days of the the North American Soccer League when <laughs> when, when players didn't have a rest during the summer. Your, your Terry Dalacots, your Roger Kenyons, your, your Cliff Marshalls. They they all went to the states and played for played for big name teams against some big name players. Yeah, yeah, Tampa Bay Rowdies with the air standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that jingle, the Rowdies, they're kicking your ass. Well, Rodney Marsh and George Best went over there, didn't they, and gave it loads and loads of profile. And then as a result, you know, so lots of other players in the 70s, yeah. you know, so here went over there. Yeah, Roger Kenny went to Vancouver, Whitecaps are equal, David Clements. Roughnecks, also Roughnecks. He, he was the captain of New York Cosmos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was when Beckenbauer was playing for yeah, the yeah, yeah. Calais. Yeah. So yeah. there it was, it was like an incredibly high profile league at the time. Short lived, the, you know, so they got Gates you know, for a short spell, didn't they? They yeah. couldn't maintain yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, quite a few, like I say, Terry Darapot went over there, uh, Cliff Marshall. And uh, yeah, a number of players, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Steve Sargent's still there. Steve Sargent, yeah. of course, yeah, absolutely. In Detroit. Yeah, that reminds me of the old joke, wasn't it? The, 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 the best of the Mars thing. But when you went to Tampa Bay, you just called Tampa Bay when you left the club at Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? Well, it was a few. I mean, yeah. if you think about I me, mean, Dave Clemency, he stayed over there, didn't he? Coached and ended up there. And you don't want to be the, um, you know, most unusual jobs of former Evan players to stand out as like Ray Wilson being a yeah. taker. 
Dave Clements became the CEO of a candy floss company. <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, it was great. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I was looking at this. The, the, you know, the first player with having connections, I think, to win the, the NA, the, the North American Soccer League, as was, was it one of our youth cup winning teams in 1965? Tony McLaughlin, who was the striker, right. won it with Dallas. And then, of course, I mean, Roger, Roger had a great success, didn't he? Yeah, he won it, he he won won it with Vancouver, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. With that, Alan Ball was playing with them. So there was quite a lot of successful Everton players. Uh, Terry Darico, he played for Tulsa, didn't he? I remember him saying once that one of his first games he was playing. He says, I think the, the linesman did a dodgy offside decision. So you give the linesman a load, load of abuse and the linesman goes, you can't kick us out of Terry. from speaking. <laughs> you know, but it was weird. Isn't it? Jim Usman played, didn't he? Gary Jones played for Fort Lauderdale, didn't yes, he? So yeah. there was loads in the most. I mean, the one with the closest uh, closest connection to America were probably Jimmy Gabriel, wasn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Would you say? Yes, yeah. He went there in the early 70s. Jimmy stayed there, didn't he? He's a player and, yeah. and, a, and a coach came to Everton and then went back. And he, he's synonymous um, with American football, the, the great uh, the great Jimmy Gabriel. I tell you, I think you'll have enjoyed watching the Royal Blue Jersey Preno was uh, was Bake, Brian McBride. Oh yeah, very much so. It was a strange one that because he was largely unheralded, I think. You know, so yeah. people didn't know quite what to expect. And I think, you know, so Moyes brought him in because he was more of a sort of you know, to use that phrase, traditional English sense of forward, if you like. And you know, he was good in the air and uh, you know, sort of with his back to goal, holding it up. I also remember at the time as well getting quite a lot of headlines because his wife was a swimwear model when she was a cover of some you know, sort of you know, American magazine. Uh, so we were expecting some kind of like all American kid, you know, sort of come over. And he wasn't, he was a very, you know, sort of down to earth, hard work and you know, sort of typical, you know, sort of English sense of board, if you like. And his goals record was good. I think he got about four in his first six games. Through the overhead kick, I can't remember who that was. Sunderland, Sunderland, Sunderland yeah. I got two in the same well, game. Yeah. Did he make his debut in the infamous 4 3 game at Tottenham? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he raced away and like sort of pinged one in. Early doors uh, as well. Esther Martin was also making his debut that game. As was Leon Osman. Yeah, really, yeah. Ozzy yeah. came, came on at the end, didn't didn't kick the ball, yeah. headed it once. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, but Barton gets all the, the, the headlines in that game for the wrong reasons because I was yeah. considered four goals and then we went for the pop again. But, you know, so McBride made a really, really positive impact. And, yeah, he, he was great. You know, so it really, really was, you know, sort of stand-up performing in a short period of time. And all held it, really, as was Joe Maxwell. Yeah. I think McBride was, I know Moisey Sapp. Moisey had an interesting, hadn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. And uh, he was like another one. This is like great professional, great off-the-pitch and stuff. And uh, there was talk of sign, and I'm just thinking, you know, that period, of three, when he went back to, say, when we got Andy Johnson, sort of, I know BTK, if he'd have had them in that period, I think it would have made a really big difference. Yeah. And of course, he went to Fulham, like played a year twice, wasn't he? Fulham, had a great, had a great yeah. Premier League career. Yeah, he yeah. always ended up scoring against us. I remember a couple of times at yeah. uh, Craven Cottage. Yeah. But hugely popular down there, played the season a couple of times. And he, but he, you know, he talk about players, I wish, not the biggest sign, but at that time under Moyes, I think he would have fitted in really well because obviously he was a Moyes type of player. And yeah, yeah, there's some players who you've got great at. See his stats, what their influence is far greater than what their, their stats say, isn't it? Like, yeah. he's definitely one of them. Joe Maxwell had a good 
goal-scoring record at one point, didn't he? Uh, under Walter, yeah, yeah, yeah. five and five games. Started like house on fire, and then yeah. that uh, that tapered off a little bit. Mikitjanovic, like yeah, 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 yeah. But there was few. I mean, if you think about, it, if you wanted to start the American, like Cracky sort of comes into it, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't say comes into it in front of Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Cracky. I mean, he's a really good guy. I mean, uh, I went to the World Cup in '98. He played in the US, USA team, yeah. played against Iran, and you know, the, the famous you know, sort of political game. And uh, I remember going to a press conference uh, where Preki was you know, sort of on the top table, and I was uh, the front, surrounded by loads of American journalists. And uh, Preki spotted me, and uh, all he was interested in is what Everson were up to. Going, uh, I won't even try and attempt to do his accent, but you know. <laughs> In the middle of this press conference, it's of, oh, how are the guys doing? What's, what's happening in their house? How are we doing? Well, just, we ended up having like a 10 minute conversation in front of these American journalists who had no idea what the hell he was talking about. But he was, he was a great guy who came from indoor football. Uh, how did that America. happen? Well, Howard took a chance on him. You know, so Howard Kendall uh, thought, well, you know, he's very, very successful at indoor football. You know, uh, I think he was cashed out at the time. So he thought he'd take a chance and you know, sort of see how it worked out. And he was. Moderately successful, you know, so he scored a few goals, um, you know, he had a few really, really good performances. and a great left foot on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, so a great dead ball, to which Howard remembered with some glee uh, a while afterwards when uh, Howard had left the club. And uh, Mike Walker come in and charge, and we were playing Oldham at home uh, at the end, obviously the, the Joe Royal era, I think it was, it was the Mike Walker era. And we were playing Oldham at Goodison towards the end of the season, and Howard was just a guest upon the boxes of the game. And uh, it was one all, we got a free kick on the edge of the box. Howard just says to the box, this is a goal, this is a goal. I'm telling you, Preggy's bending it into the top corner for you. I've seen him do it time after time on the training pitch. Trust me, anybody wants a bet, I'm a bet. <laughs> so a few people are like, so three fouls on, no chance. Let's go and have a bar. Sure, you know, Peggy, Peggy bends it into the top corner. I don't too well. So yeah, Howard remembers his, his time at Goodison very, very fondly. Uh, and then we scuffed one of it up at Middlesbrough where we won 2 1 as well. Scott's uh, game at Man City, didn't yeah. I think last game of the season. Yeah. So, yeah, he had, he, had, he had a bit of quality about him. The, the only thing that let him down was pace. You know, so he didn't really have any yeah. searing pace, yeah. which obviously he needed in the Premier League at the time. But in terms of technical ability, uh, very, very high. And yeah, it was a, a gamble. How would like to take gambles sometimes yeah. transfers? Yeah. And plenty yeah. paid off. You know, oh. Peter Reed for 60 grand. Paul Power. Kevin Sheedy from the Paul Power. Exactly. And Preggy was well. Maybe not quite as successful as he hoped, but you know, he had successes in his time there, so yeah, it's definitely worth including in the uh, yeah, Do you remember who his agent was? His agent, his agent was Graham Smith, who was played in goal with Joe Rowe for Quarry Bank, and Graham Smith yeah. was the Colchester keeper yeah. when uh, he beat them 5 0 in 1971. And this lad was in the, in the late 80s, and, and uh, Graham was set up an agency with Frank McClintock, and Blackie was one of their. Uh, one of their clients, and and he, Graham Smith, was a manager of when we, was a fusion venture, fusion or something we played in two thousand. He was the manager then. Yeah, he, he, he helped us a lot. Yeah, when yeah, we went yeah. Over there, and yeah. He would be calling Preki because his full name, Fred Ragbado Savilevich, has twenty letters, which I think, along with Dini Abdi Latinov, are the longest <laughs> yeah. named players in history. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought we'd just go with Preki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you say about Graham's house out in America? Yeah, he was. Uh, he helped us out on the tours. I uh, yeah. got to know Graham very well, and uh, I love speaking to him about the. You know, he, he played in goal for Colchester when he yeah. Leeds United three two. Yeah, one of those famous FA Cup yeah. uh, games of all time. And his lad Adam was a decent goalkeeper. He, 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 he was an Adam, well. wasn't he? Adam for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They launched a counter attack. Off goes Limpar. Short and oceans of space away to his left. This is Jackson. 
right out in the middle. Still Jackson. And Stewart. It's there. Right up. Everton take the lead at the second attack, albeit. Paul Ryder. That was the day that Paul Rideout touched his name into Everton folklore, the man who netted the winning goal in the 1995 FA Cup final, moved out of the USA after hanging his boots up and has forced a successful career in youth coaching with Kansas City. Crossing the pond was always on his radar, even when he was still playing. Well, I've always, we, we've always said we were going to live here because um, from the first time it came as a, as a kid, I loved the place. And obviously, we expected to go to Florida. I like, I like the coast, like by being by the sea, but, um, you know, ended up having the opportunity to go to the MLS um, and through that, having the opportunity to get um, a passport, um, right. a green card. Um, so it kind of fell in my lap and, and and there's Mo Johnson, it was already there. So I knew a few people on that particular team. So um, that, that was the reason why we decided to, to go there. And then obviously, as I said, we, we decided to stay. What was the standard like, Paul, when you first went there? Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you what, you would never understand it. I had a three-year contract. Um, and, and back then, only the international players, their contracts were guaranteed. The rest of them, they could be cut at any point. So I had a three-year three deal um, alongside Mo. Um, but after one season, uh, we would come in training. Um, we'd do an hour. And then... The younger players in the squad wanted to do more. They wanted to learn off off the foreign players. They were like, I had a couple of players asking how to how to work with heading the ball and finishing and stuff. So we stayed behind. Coaches didn't want to know. Um, and the organisation and, and the way it was set was was pretty poor. And, and and the standard there was a lot of foreign players that that were there. Were good players, technical mm. players, very good, skillful. Um, but there was no energy, no professionalism in, in it. Um, the, the way that you would train now and the way they've set it up now, it's superb. It, it is as good as any professional setup. Um, and, and they've come a long way with the academy. Um, and, and the level of play is much, much better. Um, a lot of good young players coming through. Um, and I think if you look at their national team, uh, they're quite they're quite fun to watch, um, mm. and uh, I, I think from from where I was to where we are now, um, tremendous strides. What, what what's been the main change then, Paul? Has it just been attitude and, and professionalism that, that's changed? Because this, it seems to have come a long way in in a relatively short space of time. No, like anything, good coaching. Um, a lot of good American coaches here now. You know, they they they've done their badges. They've organised that side of it much better. There was a lot of kind of it stems from the young kids um, with parent coaching, that kind of thing. Um, so they've moved on. You have to have certain licences to, to uh, coach certain levels. So you have to have an A licence to coach DA. Can't just come in just because you're an ex pro. Right. You haven't got a license. You can't you can't coach that. So the rules are really there now, just like it is in, in Europe. Obviously, you have to have a, a pro license to, to coach a Premiership team, um, and, and, and as it should be. And uh, you know that that stems from you know really a lot of parents back in the day that understand the game now, and 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 kids that have now had kids, you know, mm. that know the game very well. And they're, they're in love with the game now. And it, it, it's, uh, again, it's not just stems from the coaching. It also stems from the interest of, 
of, of parents. You've been coaching out there for a while now, Paul. Do you, do you do you take a little bit of little bit of Howard Kendall and a little bit of Joe Royal maybe into your coaching? Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you know, you, you take from what you've learned um, with different uh, coaches all over. Like, you know, obviously, you know, I've had several clubs and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and every coach has had something good that you can bring into that. Um, and and I, I, one of mine is, is those two particular coaches were fabulous man managers. And, and that yeah. is what you need, especially when you're coaching kids. You know, they, you have to understand that each kid is different in their mentality and how they work um, and how you get a response out of those guys. And, and um, you know, obviously my experience over 20 odd years of playing and, and you know, listening to different ideas and, and the way that coaches do different things, um, you take that along. You, you must get so much satisfaction out of seeing a youth player complete his journey and go and play in a first team. If it's not your first team, a first team somewhere. You do. And it's not just, you know, obviously it's a little bit different over here. We're really trying to push these kids into top colleges, D1 colleges. Um, not only do they just want to play, they're smart kids. So yeah. they want a bit of a mixture of both. Now it's kind of changing where these kids are looking to want to go to pro because they're doing what we used to do at the PFA. You know, they, they would um, pay for the college um, um, experience. They can do it online now. Um, and so that, that's what the clubs are doing so much better. So the kids, they're trying to get younger kids, 17, 18, um, instead of like 21 and 22, which, you know, you've lost four or five years, main years mm. of your playing career. So that, again, is, is, is moved on. So yeah, but as far as my experience, that that's that's you know we get paid decent money for for the amount of hours we have to do, um, but at the same time that that's what I get out of it is mm. when I see someone go, getting into that that uh, college that they 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 wanted to get into. Underrated striker, Paul Ryder's. Oh, massively so. Yeah, I mean. Um... That was the summer where we were linked consistently with a sign of Duncan Ferguson several years before we actually did sign him. Wrong, because Paul Ryder was a very, very good footballer. If you remember him as a youngster, um, he scored that incredible goal for England schoolboys uh, at Wembley. Yeah. The, you know, he got great profile for that. Then had a decent career at Aston Villa, scored against us, if you remember, in the semi final. Then uh, in the program, we ended up getting to Wembley. And eventually, you know, so we signed him. Uh, and was very, very good for us for several seasons. You talk about actually going to the States, and obviously that always been on his radar. He went to China first. Yeah. And I always remember the circumstances surrounding that because he'd um, agreed to go to China at the end of the season. And uh, Dave Watson was caretaker manager, and Joe Royal left, uh, refused to let him go uh, because we needed him in the midst of an injury crisis. And said, well, I'm sorry, you might have signed the contract, but you're not going. Yeah, so we need yeah. you here. So he played in central midfield against Tottenham in a game that we won 1 0. And pulled the strings yeah, in midfield. That's that's in midfield, that showed you how technically good he was <laughs> at the end of the game. Left to jump Killian Passenger on the back of a motorbike to dart after Manchester Airport to make his flight to, uh, to China. <laughs> Just bizarre. So, yeah, I think he always had these eyes on a career, you know, somewhere elsewhere in the world. But yeah, played for Mandal Mangalas, assuming first of all in China, and then ultimately ended up in America. And whilst it's been successful there, wasn't always uh, Rose as well he was out there because he kept in touch with the players. I remember them telling me, like, killed themselves laughing about it, an incident where 
he was always like such a to keep in shape. Paul always like so very very you know he does physical fitness. And we used to train outside of his uh, training sessions that he thought he's running around the streets of uh, of America trying to keep fit. Well, four by four, back up each other, and cleaned them out. <laughs> and the players all kill themselves. Yeah. I think you're so joking about poor old winners getting cleaned yeah. up by a four by four. It didn't cause any lasting damage for us. Yeah, he's, he's a good player, wasn't he, Paul Rydows? He also scored another goal that was important to have it. You know, he beat Spurs at the end of the season in 85, when sort of that title, sort of deciding game. Yeah. He'd scored for Villa there the four days before, and Villa won. Uh, it was a really crucial win for Everton. No, it was again yeah. Villa against Spurs. He scored a white hat late in that game. But he was he was in the game. Goal scoring Michael's great in these years. Yeah. Yeah. for Everton. It's not yeah. not sometimes not in a in a great team, but he scored a lot of goals. Obviously scored in the derby. Yeah, he was a much underrated player. I don't really think about it. Wasn't he? Not necessarily good, but generally in football, I think. When did tours to the USA Everton become popular? Fifty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went up by uh, as you believe line from Southampton. Uh, to, to New York, played in New York, uh, Chicago. Um, then we played bizarrely. Um, was that an end of season? End of season, season yeah, yeah, I think it was end of night. Um, then ended up playing Saturday, I don't know how they planned this, four times in Canada, in Edmonton and Vancouver. So that was the first one they went. And the second one was more famous in 61. They went when Harry had just joined the month before. Harry didn't want them to go. You're playing something called the, the New York International Soccer Tournament, which you played that a few years before, and by and large ended up in a big kicking match, which a lot of games against Europe, there was a European teams involved. And um, over the course of six games, uh, Billy Bingham got sent off twice. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Collins got sent off. Harry sent Roy Vane home notoriously, and, you know, for, for, for a breach of club discipline, whatever it was. And um, we somehow qualified out of the group. Uh, there was another group going on, so we played six games. There was another group team, uh, another group with seven teams in. Duckler Park, Prague won that group. So you would think that both teams would then play to the final. They had to come back, come back in the August, and, and we got beat, uh, got beat over two legs. But the um, there was a, there was a great report in the press apparently when you flew over Everton's squad was insured for £350,000 but John Walsh was on the flight and what was insured this was a bit more than the entire Everton <laughs> squad yeah as head of one of the biggest biggest companies yeah, in the country yeah, you, wouldn't yeah. ne- you wouldn't expect anything different uh, so that was 61 and then I think um, as you say it was the, the, the 2004 uh, I don't think. I, I've spoken to David Moyes and, and, and a lot of the players about that 2004 trip to Houston and, and they, they give that trip an awful lot of credit for the subsequent Premier League season because Wayne at the time clearly wasn't going to stay at the football yeah. club we'd brought in Marcus Bent I mean one can only imagine the Twitter view now <laughs> just so Wayne Rooney and we've got Marcus Bent yeah. and, and, and David had been the 2003-04 season if you remember Penno hadn't been hadn't been very good and I think David would admit himself that he made he made one or two mistakes that year yeah, totally. I mean, uh, 3-4 was, it was grim. Uh, the way it ended was particularly poor. I mean, we got ourselves safe uh, by beating uh, Tottenham on the Friday, I think it was. And then for the last six or seven games, it was just, it was full time. You know, yeah. Some players were just like, you know, basically down tools. And uh, there was a lot of disaffection, you know, so with, with Moises' methods at the time. Yeah. I remember some of the players complaining that he was too hard and he was pushing too hard. And uh, I remember trying to relay this information to David, David Moyes, and he was like, you know, arguing the case back about you know, all the stats and stuff. So if they think that we worked too hard, they should be producing more. Yeah, we really mm-hmm. had to the last. And it was all, 
bit of a damn enough situation. So going away on a trip like that, you know, so it's a where you know a few bonus shoes can be told and they sort of players can bond a little bit better and maybe buy into his methods a little bit more. I think it was very, very valuable indeed. And I think also the way that season ended, you know, so we got past the five on the last day of Man City, yeah. and that was questioning performance. And then uh, I gave a bit of flack in the air and then the echo at the time, you know, so some of the players for us. And I think there's a point to be proved, I think. I think we thought that, you know, hang on, you know, so a lot of those buckets were being, you know, sort of yeah. painted out here. Yeah. And then let's do something about it. And, you know, we started the following season, but then we got past it at home on half by Arsenal on the opening day. Arsenal were the side back then. Yeah. And yeah. everyone was painting the game of Palace the following weekend. It's like uh, a relegation beside yeah. in the most. It's a must win game, exactly. wasn't it? Second game of the season. Uh, and we won 3 1. And, and just, you know, just built on it from there, just one game after game after game. And I remember Roy's actually sending up Alan Stokes uh, into the press room to do post-match press conferences. So players are doing this, not me, which again is very, very cute psychology yeah. from boys, giving the players the credit. And uh, as a result, just builds and builds and builds and that's famously ended up finishing fourth. I remember going out there and the, and the lads were like, this is going to be, this is going to be torture, this. We played Pachuca and we played Club America and, and David sat them down and he was, he was brilliant. And he just said, right, you're off the rest of the day, you're off tomorrow, you're off the day after. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to see it. Don't want to see it in the papers. That type of thing. You yeah. know what they always say. And, and the lads couldn't believe they had such free time. They had a bit more free time later on in the tour, and and they just trained their socks off. And and the the, the bonding. Um, I mean, in those days, you did, we didn't take as many staff as we'll be taking to this on this American trip. So the players and staff all would get together, and Moisey would take us to a steakhouse and be a big sing song and all that. And you know, you could sense. Yeah. Listen, listen, nobody dreamt we'd finish fourth. Yeah. But yeah. we sense that, you know, okay, Wayne's going to go. He's probably the best player in the Premier League at the time, but we're going to have a go here. And, and, and it worked really, really well. I remember, because that wasn't just like at the end of the season that all the Americans had made like a big difference. It was saying like the start of the yeah, season. Were, that yeah. was, you know, yeah. it was one of the things. Just a mind there about taking to a steakhouse. When, the, when they went in 61 to America, it was the first time they even had beef burgers. <laughs> <laughs> beef burgers and chips was just like a new uh, new thing for them. So, yeah, it, it's funny how things change. But, yeah, um, yeah, that 04, I think when Moyes probably looks back at his management career, we'll probably think actually that was quite a little bit of a little bit turning point for me in terms of how I managed and relate with players. Because he's having career after 04, um, you know, took off and... As Penno said, have a look at the seasons. I'm not surprised he goes to America all the time, really, in the 2000s. Oh, we have a good season. Yeah. Uh, you know, in 05, he didn't go. And, and then we started the season slowly. Yeah. But in all the other seasons, we ended up finishing like fifth, fifth and sixth, you know. But 04, one big turning point for most, I think. Well, when I think about US tours that I've been on, I always think about this moment. This was a special moment. John Stone steps up for Everton. Come on, son, you've had a good what game. What a moment. You've had a terrific game. Fabulous entertainment on Everton TV. We're with you live from San Francisco. Come on, John. John Stones versus Storari. Stones. Oh, 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 what a goal! What a penalty. Was that for your luck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I tell you what. The kid from Barnsley has outdone the master. That's Ready, how you do it. No, bang, clip. Oh. In you go, top corner. What a trip that was. We played Juventus in San Francisco. We played Real Madrid in Los Angeles and Valencia in Miami. And Roberto inherited that. Yeah. Roberto Martinez inherited that tour because it'd already been pieced together. I don't think he was overly pleased with the schedule. Yeah. You know, talk about, wow, it was a chance. 
It was. It was. Uh, you talk about that pen. That that was an absolute standout moment. That so again, I was watching it from afar, on this side of the pond, and uh, we were absolutely buzzing. So I, I interviewed John Stones, and he was you know a young, fresh-faced kid who I was likening at the time to Alan Hansen, and he had no idea who Alan Hansen was. <laughs> and I said, well, "You must know the, the guy that speaks on you know, so much of the day on Sky, where it is, you know, sort of talks about you know, never listen to the kids and had no conception whatsoever." Day, how old I am and how young he was. <laughs> but to actually see such a young kid have the audacity to try a penalty like that, all right, it's a pre-season friendly, but against high-profile opposition and you're a youngster still trying to make an impression, still trying to make your way in the game, to just have the confidence and the arrogance and the technical expertise to be able yeah. to do that, yeah. you know, you think, hang on, we've got a player here, we've got something that we sort of can do with it. And you know, ultimately, it did turn out to be an absolutely solid yeah. I think Pelo was just missed, hadn't he, as well? Yeah. So, like, yeah. you'd think that was off to show pair of penalties. But, like, and we forget, like, Stones hadn't made his debut then, had he? He'd only just, uh, he'd only just come from, uh, it was about, about oh, early yeah. on in the, early on in the year, and I think he was only 19. And I think, uh, yeah, sort of, I was there making your mark immediately. But that was a, that was a, that must have been a great talk because I think it wasn't a few movie stars knocking around the hotel where Evan were as well. I yeah, I met, I met Matt Damon, but I don't like talking. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we found out. Well, somebody, somebody actually yeah. said Harrison Ford's just got out the lift there, yeah. so we were laughing. And anyway, well, somebody mentioned to reception, said, "Yeah, there's a few here. There's a, the born supremacy or born again or listening, whatever." Matt Damon's here, so I spoke to one of Matt Damon's people. And I said, "Listen, if you'd like, if you'd like to meet some." English soccer stars, and he said, "Oh yeah, that'd be cool." So I mentioned to a couple of lads, and, and straight away, Leighton Baines, Kevin Morales, and Leon Osmond said to me, "If I don't meet Kev, uh, Matt Damon, you're getting the blame." <laughs> so I saw it. We went up in the lift, and we got photos with Matt Damon. We got autographs, yeah. and then we were walking back towards the lift, and this absolutely stunning lady walks past and says hello out of politeness. Didn't realize at the time it was Amber Heard. All right, she was walking past. But that that in Los Angeles when we played Real Madrid. Uh, it was a game we were never going to win. Sylvan Distant had a goal disallowed, which has never been disallowed. And I had my, one of my most disappointing moments ever. After the game, I was looking after Tim Howard, the media, and the boy from Real Madrid was looking after Cristiano Ronaldo. And it was an absolute scrum. We had to push people back, and it took a lot of organising. And only when it had finished, somebody from uh, LA said to me, by the way, when you were pushing them back, you know, walk past you, you just missed it. And I said, who? He said, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Spoiled my treatment. Now, not a lot of people know, by the way, that the current head coach of the USA, national team, Greg Mahalter, has worn the Royal Blue of Everton. The former centre-half came to Belfield for a trial back in 2002. Let's the man himself put the flesh on the bones. So I was, um, I was out of contract in Holland, and um, I was on trial at um, a couple clubs in England and championship clubs and they offered me a contract and I didn't really like the terms of the contract and I wasn't satisfied so I said no but then when you keep saying no what happens is you, you run into a period where you know it starts to become difficult so um the my agent at the time Paul Stretford all right um, yeah yeah he he contacted Everton he said hey, listen you know this this guy um you know can he come on trial slash training with you guys and um, he needs to stay fit for national team games. And would you guys have him? And they were, you know, they were really gracious in, in having me and, um, you know, allowed me to, to train and to play. And, you know, it was sort of a trial, but also more of a, a training period. Yeah. So who, who do you recall playing alongside? 
you know, that was the fun thing because that team was a cast of characters. Um, when I think <laughs> about that, when I think about that group, I mean, Mark Hughes was still there. Yeah. Um, Duncan Ferguson was there. Um, Kevin, Kevin Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. Kevin Campbell was there. Francis Jeffers was there. Paul Gascoigne was there. Yeah. David Weir was there. Unsworth was there. Yeah. Um, Stubbsy there. Stubbsy arrived. Stubbsy was there. Stubbs was there. Joe Max obviously was there. Yeah. Um, uh, Patrick Nyarko was there. Remember right. Patrick Nyarko? Um, Alex Nyarko. Alex Nyarko. Alex Nyarko, Alex Nyarko, Nyarko, Nyarko yeah. yeah. He, was a, he was a decent player, wasn't he? He was a good player. He was, he was, I really yeah. enjoyed playing with him, yeah. But overall, it was uh, – and then some of the young guys were just coming up. Leon Osman was training then still. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember some of the younger guys just getting into the group. But, but you overall, know what? I looked, I looked at yeah. the um, I looked at the team. You, you played you played at witness for the for the uh, for the reserves against Leeds. Yeah, yeah. And, that's right. um, Leon Osman was in the team. Tony Hibbert, yeah. Steve Simonson, Kevin McLeod, yeah. Joe Max played. Yeah. They all yeah. played Premier League. It was some reserve team. That it was they played Premier League football. It was, and the, you know, the first team was filled with international players as well. Yeah. Did you did you work with did you train more with the with the reserves or with the first team when you were over here or no, only the first team only the first team right, right. Yeah. Did, did you enjoy it at Belfield I did you know it you know what it did it gave me confidence because I, I did I performed well in training and you know but you're playing against guys you know Paul Gascoigne was a hero growing up Mark mm. Hughes you know, just a, a phenomenal soccer player you know great history of playing the game and. And it gave me confidence. It really did. Even though, you know, I didn't stay there, it gave me confidence to say, okay, I, you know, I have this level in me. Was there any option for you to stay there or was it literally just, uh, you were just you know, ticking I, over? I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I, obviously there was, I, I could have stayed, but it was more of something where I think, I think in the end, um, you know, I, I think that, the type of center half I was, I think they wanted bigger guys, you know, like when you look at the profile of center backs they had, I yeah. think it was, that, that's what they were focused on. Did you so speak I think to- they really liked me, but you know, it was more, you know, a funny story is one day, I mean, the craziest thing, one day, Paul Gascoigne comes up to me and goes, you're going to play on Saturday. I go, what? He's like, yeah, I've been hearing you're going to play. I was like, well, that's funny because I don't even have a contract. I'm not even registered. I was like, <laughs> I'm not quite sure I believe you, Paul. But it was a funny, a funny story. What did what did Wayne do for the MLS when he was over there? Obviously, he, he, he's one of our own. I mean, around about the time you were you were training with us, uh, Greg Wayne would have been. He wasn't far off playing for the playing for the reserves himself, even though he was only 15. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, I, I think I remember him around. And, you know, the the yeah. youth player always used to be around in that gym you know that gym to off to the side yeah yeah it'd always be in there like little <laughs> rats i remember that. <laughs> just working hard like you know i never forget that like that's one thing i remember is like these little guys always around you know always doing i was like don't these kids have school don't they have something to be doing <laughs> that was really funny you know wayne rooney um it's funny because you can almost sum up Wayne Rooney's um, time in, in America with that one play. And I'm sure you've seen that play that he, that he did. Yeah, you know? tackle on the cross. Yeah, and that was just typical. You know, it was, I mean, it was, a, it was a ball almost from midfield, pinpoint ball. And, but that typified, you know, his contribution. He was a guy who was willing to do what he needed to do for the team to be successful. 
And it's an example of him running back on a defensive play where the other team is sure to score yeah. an empty goal. And he makes a tackle and then he makes the pass and they win the game. And it was a really an amazing, amazing play. But, you know, he, he was doing anything he could do to make his team successful. We actually, you know, played them in the playoffs and we knocked them out of the playoffs with Columbus um, that year. But it was, you know, we, we were worried about it because we said this is a good team that we're, that we're up against. Were you aware of that, gents? The name, when you mentioned it to me, the name rang a bell, and I couldn't think why, because uh, it's up the Walter era. Yeah. Because I think Walter had a lot of links in America. And, uh, I remember on a preseason tour once myself and uh, Paul Joyce, now at the Times, so was then on the Daily Post, uh, and I did from the morning newspaper. Uh, used to take Walter out for a meal while we were over there. I think I was trying to drop a little chance for a story in our last words. And Eddie Pope was one who tried to uh, <laughs> so get us to write on. We never ended up signing that. That was a good yeah. one. Uh, but Greg Bahalza was another one that obviously did come across briefly. I just the name resonated for some reason, and obviously that's because he's very reserved. Uh, I can't honestly say I can remember the name or <laughs> like that. But I just I knew the name prior to his USA connections for some reason, but that was obviously why. It's interesting that he mentioned Wayne Rooney there, yeah, because Wayne, one of the most high-profile players to play in the MLS, but he seemed as typical of the man to really, really embrace it and really treat it with the respect that it deserved. When you expect anything else being way, correct? If you played Sunday league football now, I think he yeah, still <laughs> try to be yeah. the best on the pitch and make the best yeah. of himself. Yeah, go every two games. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't expect anything, expect anything, anything different off Wayne. And um, it, it's, it's funny, isn't it? As you say, you know, players go to, I would change playing in America. Sometimes it can be the end of your career. You know, you see, mate, with Frank and stuff but like you know in the 70s it was like sort of during your career yeah. wasn't it it's yeah. just funny how like the, the, and, and in the early 70s there was a lot of players like Tony McLaughlin I've mentioned there a lot of football league players who never made the big men to play in America so it's just funny how that sort of like players you know the different different ways in which they've got a consummate for football but we wouldn't expect anything different wouldn't you he's going to be a star man isn't he really that just reminded me that talking about players that went there at the end of their careers Gary Atlas um, yeah. as he went to play in the States because I remember him getting in touch because uh, he was actually in New York when 9-11 uh, right. actually took place yeah. Yeah. and uh, it was basically stuck there you know, so for several days as a result um, and, and you know, actually witnessed you know, some of the events of that day uh, so yeah, it was you know a number of players. You know, so did Mark Ward. Really? Yeah. Mark, yeah, Mark, exactly. Mark Ward was coaching, and yeah. he said we were a couple of miles outside New York. He said the next thing you could see this yeah. billowing smoke. He said obviously we didn't know what had happened, but we never yeah. dreamt it was it was what it turned out to be. Object has been another fascinating official Everton podcast. My thanks to Dave Prentice and to Gavin Buckland and Darren Griffiths. We hope you've enjoyed our USA special. <laughs>